Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, an episode about your sex and your happiness. I say that every time, and hopefully you're getting sexier and happier. If you're not, I don't know what you're doing with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know why, you know, you, you should be getting sexier and happier according to me. Anyway, I want to introduce you to my dear friend, Stuart Mark Berlin. He is a retired pediatrician, author, and painter. Who, by the way, you can see one of his awesome paintings right behind him on that screen behind him. Um, he's been praising and worshiping the sexual superpower of Crohn's for 16 years in his work. So, Stuart, please, uh, please and thank you. I'm so happy that you could join me again on Sex and Happiness. It's my great pleasure. It's always wonderful to talk yeah. with you. We always uh, get along so well. Yeah, and we started this way a long time ago. I interviewed you two times. I think, I don't know if it was on Sex and Happiness or if it was on Tantra Cafe. I, I can't think it was Sex and Happiness. Okay, so it was when Sex and Happiness first started. I interviewed you about your two books at that time. Right. Um, every woman a goddess, every man a hero in her service, right? That was That's book that's, one. That's and, and book two was called... Um, Tantric Kabbalah, Sex Magic. It's called, um, what is the title? <laughs> I think uh, it's called Tantric Kabbalah. Um, I think it's called uh, Sexual Secrets of Tantric Kabbalah. Oh, okay. Well, well, anyway, both great books. And um, somewhere my book for, about the goddess so I'm, I lent it to somebody and they never gave it back. They thought it was so good. It was theirs for the keeping. So, but it was a great, great book. So that's when we first, that's way back when we first met. Yes. How many and, years ago um, was that now? I know I was trying to figure it out recently. We met at an ISTA conference, a very early ISTA conference. Yes. In Arizona. So I moved here in 2009. So it was either 2009 or 2010. Probably 2010, so that's 11 years. Yeah, long time. And um, we've talked about a lot of subjects. We've talked about the integrity of men, why men should be a hero in this service of um, women as goddesses. And I think we're going to touch on that today because I'm writing a book myself called Sex and Happiness Over 60, which is a sequel to my first book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. And... Um, I, I, as we talk, I'm going to share with you some of what my new laws are, okay. like how, how to like what laws you need to live o over 60 for okay. men and women. And I think that you have a handle on this. I think so, too. <laughs> One is because you're over 60. Yay. Yes, 64. I'll be 65 in October. Right. And you um, and you love women who are older than you. So you've like, you've had a lot of experience with crone women 
And yeah, what you- I, I lived for the last 15 plus years with a woman who was just turned 78. So she went to 78 RPM. And I'm, <laughs> I'm 64, which is, will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Right. That's a great, it's great. I just used that in a presentation that I made in a conference called the Wonder Women Conference, Wonder Women Festival. And I used that as my opening song, Will You Still Need Me? Will You Still Feed Me? And I'm trying to think of what I had at the end. Anyway, what ha- what happened was it got cut off. So it was only, there was a new version. There's like a samba version of the Beatles, Will You Still Need Me When I'm 64? And it was really kind of mellow and groovy. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so let's get right into it. I have a little sniffle. Since the eye surgery, my nose just keeps running, and uh, so I'm, I may need a lot of tissues during this, yeah, this episode. Part of your healing is, is tearing. That's what the eye does to keep it lubricated, and it just goes into your nasolacrimal duct and comes out your nose. Yeah, well, sometimes when I'm peeing, I don't know if I'm peeing through my nose or what. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so let's talk about this. What I'll tell you what um, some of my laws are, my new laws. The first one, my new law, you know, we'll go in this direction. And then if you have something, you know, I know that you'll add and subtract and do what you do. My first new law you'll love is called practice intentional sex. Yes. What's primarily different about me was my relationship with my mother. She talked to me as a person from when I was really little. So I listened to her and I learned about how women are treated in patriarchal society and I didn't like it. And, you know, so really the turning point was when I went to Hebrew school in third grade and I told my, you know, we went to regular school all day and then we had to go three days a week in the afternoon and I wanted to play. So I didn't want to go. And she said, I had to go. And I said, why? And she said, you have to go for me. Because when I was a girl, I wanted to go to Hebrew school and they wouldn't let me. I exactly. And that was like a huge eye opener for me. And after that, I couldn't unsee what the patriarchal thought disorder does to women. Now in college, I would see a pattern of behavior. Most of my friends all my life have been women. And I had a few men friends. And I would, I would see how a man would hunt a woman in order to have sex with her. But as soon as he had sex with her, he was done with her and he'd pass her on to his friends. And I couldn't understand that at all. It made no sense to me because once I ever have sex with a woman, I never want to stop. I always want to bond. And I realized that it was biochemistry and that, of course, I didn't realize that in college. You realized it years later. Yeah. When men are in a hunting mode, adrenaline, adrenaline sex, like riding a roller coaster, at the end of a hunt, the prey dies and it's over. And that's their their inner modality for what sex is. But for me, I always wanted oxytocin sex, which is all about entering liminal time. And you and I have shared liminal time and talked about liminal time. Yes. That's really different. And... Most of the time we live in the world, we live in a rat race. We're out there. We're trying to survive uh, the survival of the fittest. We're worried about our job, our economy, where we live. And 
it's 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 difficult. But liminal time is where you kind of go into ritual time or mythic time, and you go inward, and you focus on um, yourself and your lover and pleasure. And that's when pleasure and happiness, sex and happiness, really takes off. And that's mediated by oxytocin. Now, you were mentioning something about me having a separation between queen and crone. Queen and crone, yes. So um, when women uh, stop menstruating, they are no longer capable of getting pregnant, but their sex drive usually increases. And a lot of women at that stage, they still want to think of themselves as very young and very beautiful and not about some of the normal physiologic changes that come with menopause, one of which is testosterone. Because older women, postmenopausal women, still make testosterone from their adrenal glands, and they make less estrogen, so the ratio changes. It's testosterone that causes a sex drive in both men and women. So an older woman who has a higher ratio of testosterone has a higher sex drive. Yeah, that's wonderful. I uh, I definitely have more testosterone than my part my current partner, and we've uh, found out that to have intentional sex, we have to have sex in the morning. We have to make our dates, our hot dates, have to take place in the morning rather than on Friday or Saturday night. You know, we have to change the the time. So you like morning sex? Well, if we want to have sex, we got to have morning. Well, I've always loved morning sex. Yeah, morning sex is great, but it's like that's it's not so much of a choice anymore. Like morning sex is the thing, because if we wait the whole day, he doesn't have enough testosterone in the evening. You're too tired. No, I'm not. He is. Oh, he is. (laughs) Come to take a nap in the afternoon. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Take afternoon all the time, just so I can have sex at night. (laughs) that's great (laughs) all right let me tell you what my next very practical let me tell you what my next law is for sex and happiness over 60 law two is shake things up and what that means is that you have to change things you have to break routines you have to shift things out of what you got comfortable with any comment on that well i'm actually very comfortable in how I make love with my partners, which is nursing, nursage, cunnilingus, and cunnissage, both before and again after sexual intercourse, so that so much of it is sharing a high oxytocin state. Massage is very important, being able to find exactly the right spots on each individual woman that really respond to touch and going into that liminal time and um, engendering that bond that is a combination of both maternal love and sexual love. And that's what I think oxytocin and liminal time is all about. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually talking about like just um, being happy and being sexy I think when you're older, a lot of people, when they're like 50, they think that they're over the hill. They think they're done. And so what I'm talking about is taking on new things and new ideas. Like, for example, when did you start to paint? Well, I basically started painting right around the time we met, 2000 and 
11, I believe. And But I had painted in college, and I had always thought that I looked at things as the way an artist did. And then as other things were taken away from me, and I had less, less choices, uh, my brother told me a story that was about uh, Yitzhak Perlman. And he was uh, giving a concert at Carnegie Hall, and his one of his strings broke. But he didn't stop. He kept playing. And he played the whole concert on three strings instead of four. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, they asked him, well, why didn't you stop? And he said, well, creativity is working with what you had left. <laughs> and so my painting was what I had left. I could control it. I could go to the store and buy paint and buy canvas and paint. And nobody could tell me, nobody could tell me Pisha. You know what I mean? That's great. So that's what I do. Okay, cool. Well, um, I have boundaries in uh, boundaries as another law. I had boundaries in my other book, but I feel like boundaries are so important and so misunderstood by people. I think that people misunderstand boundaries. They think that it's putting walls up between people, but boundaries are really um, saying, you know, this is where I start and stop, and this is where you start and stop. And then it enables us to get more intimate like you don't overrun my boundaries or I don't overrun your boundaries. So I've, I've added that in again, but we don't really have to discuss that one. I think that's Let's important see. because the way you yeah. pass boundaries is trust. So boundaries and trust right. are really closely related because if you don't trust someone, you can't open up your, your heart and your inner life and your unconscious mind to that. Right. And when you don't, when you feel like somebody respects your boundaries and they don't overrun them, then you trust them more and more. And so trust builds. Um, so it's that's why I wrote about it again. Exactly. The same with oxytocin is that oxytocin uh, allows you to have both a uh, emotional intimacy, but also allows you to have uh, the union of opposites and increased neuroplasticity, all of which results in greater creativity. So really... Sex and happiness is, is essential for creativity. And I think one of the things that happens after 60 is you realize that you're not going to become president of the United States. You're not going to uh, <laughs> that uh, great problem for humanity. And so you have to use your creativity for your own individual life and survival and pleasure. It's wonderful. I mean, it's great. Like, like the emphasis on pleasure and creativity through oxytocin. Why don't we define what oxytocin is? Maybe this is the first time somebody's listening to my show. So they never heard of oxytocin before, possibly. I mean, I remember when I didn't know what it was. Oxytocin is a a peptide that's synthesized in the hypothalamus of the brain and released into the pituitary circulation. And the original way that oxytocin was known was with breastfeeding and lactation. So when a mother breastfeeds, a baby only has two, a newborn baby is is really can't do very much. But the one thing they can do is suck and swallow. But what people don't realize, if they don't engage the suck reflex and the swallow reflex, they, they don't latch on. So Oxytocin is released in the brain and circulation in response to suckling on the breast. 
and it's released both in the mother and also in the person suckling them, which is either the baby or another adult, if it's a different uh, a lover, situation, yeah. a sexual situation. So oxytocin is very much tied with touch. It's tied with meditation. And it causes changes in the brain that are really remarkable. And so it starts with breast suckling, but it's also involved with all things that release pleasure, such as cunnilingus, cunnissage, nursage, and intercourse that's not focused on the man's pleasure, but on the woman's pleasure. So, for example, in Tantra, men are taught how to have sex without ejaculating. So that ejaculation is a choice. So I was very fortunate. My father had great books in the house. And I read a book at age 11 that taught me that. So that when I first had sex at age 17 in college, I, you know, ejaculation was a choice for me. And I didn't realize that I was different until a lot of women told me so. Right. Yeah. Who would you talk to about that? That goes along with the difference with, with adrenaline sex, where, you know, a man ejaculates and then he's done. Right. Um, doesn't right. give any pleasure to the woman after that. Right. Is, and men don't talk don't about it. Did your father talk to you about it? Well, my father was a psychiatric nurse starting in 1940. He talked to me about sex, and he talked to me about sex being in the context of love, but it was really his books in, in the house that I read that gave me the specifics of what yeah. to do. Yeah, good. It was learning how to control, control ejaculation. Yeah, so that's really important. Uh, everything that you're saying is very important, having to do with women-centered sex. Exactly. Like men who have sex with women to please the woman, not for their own uh, selfish pleasure or hunting pleasure. Um, exactly. We like to think about it as shamanic, like the man is the shaman. You like to think of the man as the hero, we like to think of the man like change your role from hunter to shaman, and that's then a great description hunter to shaman. Yeah, that's that's Michael's definition, and then he says, and then release the goddess in every woman. Like like when you when you're with her, there's a goddess in there, and your job, should you choose to accept, is to find that goddess and let her see it herself. Exactly, and the goddess part of the archetypal structure of the unconscious mind. And so when you're in a high oxytocin state and you're sharing pleasure and focusing on ecstatic bliss, that's when you can address the goddess. And I've usually been very adept at finding the name of many women's inner goddess, depending on where they come from, what their history is, what, what they like, their inclinations. And that's very satisfying to me. So that's I, beautiful. in many cases, I definitely relate to the inner goddess primarily, more so than the individual woman, and then bring them together. And when a woman and her inner goddess come together, that results in a burst of creativity as well as pleasure. Beautiful. If you, if you look at the ancient myths, there's one where uh, at the end of, of uh, Odysseus is finished with his 10 years in war, 10 years in exile, and he's going back to his island. 
And Poseidon says to him, the whole purpose is for you to know that without the gods, you are nothing. The gods live inside of us, gods and goddesses. And for them to be alive, they have to live within us. And for them to be alive, we have to allow them. So we have to engage them. And the best way to engage them, I believe, is sexually worshiping the inner goddess of any woman you're with. And of course, when you're with the same person for 16 years, you know them quite well. Beautiful. Men, do you hear that? If you're listening to this show or watching this show, (laughs) (laughs) my next law is let go of the past. Yeah. (laughs) That's really hard because a lot of people, their past is painful. Their losses and their bad relationships and it's amazing talking to some people and you just meet them and all they do is talk about their ex because they're obviously still fighting that bad and you can't really interact with someone if they're not present. So in order to be present, you have to let go of the past. Yeah. So that's really really important. Let it go. It's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so one I practice uh, to let go of the past is emotional release. Those are the techniques that I use to let go of those emotions that are stuck inside. But I people do funny things like they, right. they get nostalgic. They get sentimental about the past. And I feel like that really brings them down. They think it's bringing them up. They think that's making them happy. But I don't think that makes them happy at all. I think they need to start fresh. Well, if they're starting in a new relationship and they want new pleasure, I would agree. I mean, if they're in a long-term relationship, then they have a, a past that goes, you know, to share that they share. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting with my sister. Uh, you know, both my parents are deceased, and both my older brothers are deceased. So, the only person in my life who remembers my childhood the way I do is my sister. Mm. And so, we enjoy sharing that. And talking about that and being nostalgic to a point, but you don't live there. No, it's, you can't live there. I mean, I, you listen, I miss my parents. I have memories of them. I have memories of everything, but um, I can't, it's like, they're not better than now. They're just there. You know, they were good when they were, but now is now, you know, like to me, there's, there's, I'm, you know, someone said to me, I met somebody three years ago and I was telling him, you know, that I wanted to live forever. And he said, so I get it. He said, you're planning a future. You're planning to live. And most people, when they get older, are planning to die. And I said, yeah, I'm just planning to live. (laughs) (laughs) I'm planning to live. My sister is talking about, I have a a tattoo on my arm. You've seen it before. It's covered by the shirt. And to be married in the family cemetery in Queens, they would have to remove that because they don't allow (laughs) tattoos in people to be buried. I don't make plans for my dad. (laughs) That's very good. <laughs> That's very good. So then I have a law called share the wealth. So it's like sharing resources, <laughs> sharing resources, sharing money, sharing contacts. For me, what that has meant in my life, sharing, sharing the wealth means collaboration. 
Like I never learned uh, collaboration. I learned competition. I was definitely very good in the male polarity in my life. I learned competition and, you know, and then I learned collaboration much later in life. And collaboration is so much more rewarding. It is, but you have to be willing to let go of, see, most people who are very competitive, their mind view is that they win and they're on top and they're the boss or they're the greater achiever. And you have to let go of that image of yourself as the successful conqueror to collaborate. Because if you have that mindset that I'm the the better one, I'm the, you know, whatever way you want to describe it, then you're not really collaborating. You're right. You're you're in a uh, a dominant situation. And collaboration requires non-dominance, requires being equal. Yeah. And in any relationship, people bring different skills and resources to the relationship and they have to find for them what works best. So, for example, you know, when Cheryl was younger, she was a mother and a grandmother. She did years and years of cooking. She cooked, you know, for the, all the families. And since we've been together, I do the cooking. And she likes that. And she doesn't have to do the cooking. <laughs> and I enjoy cooking. And so it works out very well. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I have it in my career. Like, I stopped being the only one who does things right and I made everybody else right. Like I made them succeed. Exactly. You know, and it's been beautiful. But I just, that isn't something that I, that's not something that came naturally to me. It's not what you in Jewish homes where you want to be the best. You have to get to the best schools. You have to get the best <laughs> grades. You have to get the best job. You have to have the biggest house. You have to have the most money. You know, they don't teach collaboration <laughs> in Jewish families. <laughs> No, I was I I, not I definitely grew up being the best, the best whatever it was. Yeah. Exactly. So I I gave that up and it's been uh, re very very rewarding to see other people shine, to see other people blossom and to um and to also reap some benefit from that, tremendous benefit from that. You know, I have a team of people. Oh yeah. You know. It's very emotionally rewarding. To see something that you love thrive. And that gets back to trust. Because if they don't have trust in their life, they're not going to Yeah. Because they're not going to connect to their inner liminal self. And then I have uh, a concept about thinking young. Like not, okay. uh, not, going, not going with the aging. You know, not giving up sex. Not dressing your age necessarily. Uh, maybe even driving a sports car or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, like be like not letting a number limit you. In my case, I have, you know, spent a lot of time in my own tree of life, my own inner uh, gods and goddesses. And one of them is Eros, who's a teenager. And the other of them is a Teferit who's like 20. So I always think of myself as much younger than I am. I don't feel like I'm an old man. And I, you know, I have great hair and great stamina. 
it doesn't yeah you have great hair it's still and it's not gray it's still red yeah there's a little tiny little bit of white in there my beard <laughs> is like half pretty yeah. soon i'm gonna look like sanity claws but uh, <laughs> fact, i'm growing it out because i want to see what i want to see how much white i'm gonna have in it because i've had a goatee for a while mm. i want to see what it's going to be like beautiful yeah i don't think of myself as old at all which is you know really you know, some could say delusional. I mean, I do take care of my health very well. I know what my medical issues are, and I've worked hard to control them. And you know, I'm going to get a vaccine as soon as I can for the COVID. When it's available to me, I have to wait my turn. But uh, generally speaking, I feel good every day. I sleep well. I eat well. Awesome. I have great sex, and I'm very happy. So I'm your poster boy. <laughs> that's good. I'm going to give you the bell for that. <laughs> so finally, I have one called set your life's purpose higher than just you. And I think that's where we started because I feel like your life's purpose is really in service of the goddess, you know, in, in every woman. Exactly. You're you're a hundred percent. Now, when did you when and, uh, I mean, when did you first discover that? When did you first come out up with that idea? I see threads of it throughout my life, particularly because of my mother and and what she taught me about how she was treated as a girl and how society treats women, and then you know seeing how men were with women when I was in college, mm. and, but then the career in medicine was very demanding and. Um, you know, to be honest, quite patriarchal in the idea that physicians are trained to be, you know, the boss and they tell other people what to do. And so it was after I stopped having a medical career to really come up with an understanding of what my life was going to be about and what was healthy sexuality. And that was really the bridge from adrenaline sex, oxytocin. And then oxytocin is involved in meditation in creating art and in being in nature. And all of those things um, kind of, and plus, I, you know, I've always read a lot. And uh, I read a lot of authors. I read Merlin, When God Was a Woman. That was a very powerful book for me. And then I really started experiencing the goddess in my life through the women that were in my life and in um, having them manifest through the women I was involved in. Yeah. Beautiful. Really beautiful. And I, you know, for me, I, I've just always had a life purpose that was bigger than little me and what I wanted or having, you know, settling down and having a little family in the suburbs. Like that wasn't going to be who I was. I always had this purpose, but I didn't really know that it was sex and happiness until, you know, 2003 or something, 2001. I realized like, wow, everything I do is about sex and happiness. So that must be my life's purpose. And um, I have never looked back. I mean, I've never. Um, I, yesterday I was on a call with people who said that they were changing their name. You know, they're like, they don't, they don't want, if they're going to work in, in sexuality, they feel like they have to have a pen name. And I never thought I needed a pen name. Like I just said, okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
I just said, you know, I'm going to be Laurie Handler's. Oh, you're a superstar. What? Well, Laurie Handler's a superstar in sex and happiness. There's no doubt about <laughs> that. And uh, people, sometimes people talk to me and they say, oh, yeah, I know Laurie very well. And they go, you do? Wow, what's she like? <laughs> no, you've done a great, great, uh, great career in sex and happiness. There's no doubt about that. In fact, you told me one of the most important things in my life that has helped me that was years ago when we were interacting, was you told me that I had to make a decision between interacting with large groups of people or interacting with small groups of people. And if I wanted my primary interactions to be sexual, it had to be in small groups. And that's basically what I've done. I mean, I've written books, but I, I hate marketing or trying to sell, tell people I know people. So I just focus on my own personal relationships and worship the goddess in that context and that's made me very happy so i thank you for that advice wow i'm giving myself the bell <laughs> <laughs> that's really great you know so you know how people say that like you're saying it to me i don't remember saying that it's like sometimes people say oh i read this thing that you said or i saw you and you said this and you looked someone said to me recently that i i looked at them in the eye and i said you know stop it you know like the <laughs> like <laughs> the thing um you know what i'm saying no when, when bob newhart says it on his on, on the tv show you know stop it People have said to me that someone wrote on Facebook that I sat her down and I told her to like stop all the drama in her life and just like start serving others. She just wrote this like last week and she said that changed everything, totally changed everything, but I don't remember doing it. That's very beautiful. Yeah. So I think we've had a good show. I don't want to press my luck with this internet craziness. <laughs> okay. I, I think that's a good place to end also and uh, yeah. I think it points out that we always affect people more than we realize and if we interact with people in such a way for their benefit so for example if you're a man and you love sex and you're trying to decide how you're going to have sex in your life if you have sex where it's worship of the goddess as she manifests in your life in the individual women who she sends you. And that's the other thing. You have to accept who she sends you. Then you can have a great effect in the world and a lot of pleasure. I mean, I'm always amazed when I hear about these men, they're usually very patriarchal, and they're uh, involuntarily celibate. It's because nobody wants them. <laughs> because they're selfish assholes. <laughs> That's right. Nobody wants to have sex with them because they're creepy. <laughs> it's true. Penis and vagina sex is great, but it's only a small portion of what a woman's sexuality is. And so that's why I always focus on nursing, nursage, cunnilingus and cunnissage before intercourse and again after intercourse. I'm always amazed when I'm, I'm with I give her cunnilingus after intercourse and she's never experienced that. If there's one tip for men, learn to do that. Learn not to roll over when you're done. <laughs> and instead, give her cunnilingus 
and she will love you forever. God is inside of her. We'll love you forever. That's right. Beautiful, Stuart. Thank you. So everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in today. Stuart Mark Berlin, thank you for being my guest today. And thanks for being in my life. It's really awesome. It's awesome to talk to you about You're this. Welcome. Yeah, it's really great. And please tune in next time uh, when I will have another amazing guest or I will go on some rant. I am these days talking a lot about sex and happiness over 60. So it may be me. Brianna might be uh, interviewing me or I might just Love go on. Love to hear your rants. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. So I'm signing off for sex and happiness. Thank you all. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Stuart. Namaste, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.